Chapter Five of Marguerite de Valois by Alexander Dumas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia. Chapter Five, of the Louvre in particular and of virtue in general. The two men, directed by the first person they met, went down the Rue d'Averon, the Rue Saint Germain l'Auxerrois, and soon found themselves before the Louvre the towers of which were beginning to be lost in the early shades of the gloaming. "'What is the matter with you?' asked Coquenard of La Mole, who, as they came in sight of the old chateau, stopped and gazed, not without awe, on the drawbridges, the narrow windows, and the pointed belfries which suddenly rose before his vision. "'I scarcely know,' said La Mole. "'My heart beats strangely. I am not timid, but somehow this old palace seems so gloomy and terrible.' "'Well, as for me, I don't know any reason for it,' replied Coquenard. "'But I feel in excellent spirits. My dress is somewhat disordered,' he went on to say, glancing at his travelling costume. "'But never mind, it looks as if I had been riding. Besides, my instructions commanded promptness, and I shall be welcome because I shall have obeyed punctually.' The two young men continued their way, each under the influence of the feelings he had expressed. There was a strong guard at the Louvre, and the sentinels were doubled. Our two cavaliers were somewhat embarrassed, therefore, but Coquenard, who had noticed that the Duc de Guise's name acted like a talisman on the Parisians, approached a sentinel, and making use of the all-powerful name, asked if by means of it he might not be allowed to enter. The name seemed to produce its ordinary effect upon the soldier. Nevertheless, he asked Coquenard if he had the countersign. Coquenard was forced to confess he had not. "'Stand back, then,' said the soldier." At this moment a person who was talking with the officer of the guard, and who had overheard Coquenard ask leave to enter, broke off his conversation and came to him. "'What do you want with Monsieur de Guise?' asked he. "'I wish to see him,' said Coquenard, smiling. "'Impossible! The duke is mit the king!' "'But I have a letter for him.' "'Ah! You have a letter for him!' "'Yes, and I have come a long distance.' Ah. You have gone a long distance. I have come from Piedmont. Well, well, that is another thing. And what is your name? The Comte Annibal de Coquenard. Good, good. Kiff me the letter, Monsieur Annibal. Kiff it to me. On my word, said La Mole to himself, a very civil man. I hope I may find one like him to conduct me to the King of Navarre. But kiff me the letter said the German gentleman, holding out his hand toward Coquenard, who hesitated. "'By heaven!' replied the Piedmontese, distrustful like a half-Italian. "'I scarcely know whether I ought, as I have not the honor of knowing you.' "'I am Pesme. I am attached to Monsieur le Duc de Guise.' "'Pesme?' murmured Coquenard. "'I am not acquainted with that name.' "'It is Monsieur de Besme, my dear sir,' said the sentinel. "'His pronunciation misled you, that is all.' You may safely give him your letter. I'll answer for it. Ah, Monsieur de Besme, cried Coquenard, of course I know you. With the greatest pleasure. Here is the letter. Pardon my hesitation, but fidelity requires one to be careful. Goot, goot, there is no need of any excuse, said Besme. Perhaps, sir, said La Mole, you will be so kind as to the same for my letter that you have done for my friend. And what is your name, Monsieur? The Comte Larac de la Mole. Count de Rac de la Mole? Yes. I don't know the name. 
It is not strange that I have not the honor of being known to you, sir, for like the Comte de Coquenard, I am only just arrived in Paris. Where do you come from? From Provence. Vit a letter? Yes. For Monsieur de Guise? No, for His Majesty the King of Navarre. I do not belong to the King of Navarre, said de Besme coldly, and therefore I cannot take your letter. And turning on his heel, he entered the Louvre, bidding Coquenard follow him. La Mole was left alone. At this moment, a troop of cavaliers, about a hundred in number, came out from the Louvre by a gate alongside that of which Besme and Coquenard had entered. Aha! said the sentinel to his comrade. There are de Moy and his Huguenots. See how joyous they all are. The king has probably promised them to put to death the assassin of the admiral, and as it was he who murdered de Moy's father, the son will kill two birds with one stone. Excuse me, my good fellow, interrupted La Mole. Did you not say that officer is Monsieur de Moy? Yes, sir. And that those with him are, are heretics. I said so. Thank you, said La Mole, affecting not to notice the scornful word, Parpaillon, employed by the sentinel. That was all I wished to know, and advancing to the chief of the cavaliers. Sir, said he, I am told you are Monsieur de Moy. Yes, sir, returned the officer courteously. Your name well known among those of our faith emboldens me to address you, sir, to ask a special favor. What may that be, sir? But first, whom have I the honor of addressing? The Comte Larac de la Mole. The young men bowed to each other. What can I do for you, sir? asked de Moy. Sir, I am just arrived from I and bring a letter from Monsieur d'Auriac, governor of Provence. This letter is directed to the King of Navarre and contains important and pressing news. How can I give it to him? How can I enter the Louvre? Nothing is easier than to enter the Louvre, sir, replied de Moy. But I fear the King of Navarre will be too busy to see you at this hour. However, if you please, I will take you to his apartments, and then you must manage for yourself. A thousand thanks. Come then, said de Moy. De Moy dismounted, threw the reins to his lackey, stepped toward the wicket, passed the sentinel, conducted La Mole into the chateau, and opening the door leading to the king's apartments, enter and inquire for yourself, sir, said he. And saluting La Mole, he retired. La Mole, left alone, looked round. The anteroom was vacant. One of the inner doors was open. He advanced a few paces and found himself in a passage. He knocked and spoke, but no one answered. The profoundest silence reigned in this part of the Louvre. What was told me about the stern etiquette of this place? said he to himself. One may come and go in this palace as if it were a public place. Then he called again, but without obtaining any better result than before. Well, let us walk straight on, thought he. I must meet someone and he proceeded down the corridor which grew darker and darker. Suddenly the door opposite that by which he had entered opened, and two pages appeared, lighting a lady of noble bearing and exquisite beauty. The glare of the torches fell full on La Mole, who stood motionless. The lady stopped also. "'What do you want, sir?' said she in a voice which fell upon his ears like exquisite music. "'Oh, madame,' said La Mole, casting down his eyes, pardon me i have just parted from monsieur de moy who was so good as to conduct me here and i wish to see the king of navarre his majesty is not here sir he is with his brother-in-law but in his absence could you not say to the queen oh yes madame returned la mole if i could obtain audience with her 
"'You have it already, sir.' "'What?' cried La Mole. "'I am the Queen of Navarre.' La Mole made such a hasty movement of surprise and alarm that it caused the Queen to smile. "'Speak, sir,' said Marguerite. "'But speak quickly, for the Queen Mother is waiting for me.' "'Oh, madam, if the Queen Mother is waiting for you,' said La Mole, "'suffer me to leave you, for just now it would be impossible for me to speak to you.' i am incapable of collecting my ideas the sight of you has dazzled me i no longer think i can only admire marguerite advanced graciously toward the handsome young man who without knowing it was acting like a finished courtier recover yourself sir said she i will wait and they will wait for me pardon me madame said la mole if i did not salute your majesty at first with all the respect which you have a right to expect from one of your humblest servants but you took me for one of my ladies said marguerite no madame but for the shade of the beautiful diane de poitiers who is said to haunt the louvre come sir said marguerite i see you will make your fortune at court you said you had a letter for the king it was not needed but no matter where is it i will give it to him only make haste i beg of you in a twinkling la mole threw open his doublet and drew from his breast a letter enveloped in silk marguerite took the letter and glanced at the writing are you not monsieur de la mole asked she yes madame oh mon dieu can i hope my name is known to your majesty i have heard the king my husband and the duke d'alencon my brother speak of you i know they expect you and in her corsage glittering with embroidery and diamonds, she slipped the letter which had just come from the young man's doublet and was still warm from the vital heat of his body. La Mole eagerly watched Marguerite's every movement. "'Now, sir,' said she, "'descend to the gallery below and wait until someone comes to you from the King of Navarre or the Duke d'Alencon. One of my pages will show you the way.' And Marguerite, as she said these words, went on her way. La Mole drew himself up close to the wall but the passage was so narrow and the queen of navarre's farthingale was so voluminous that her silken gown brushed against the young man's clothes while a penetrating perfume hovered where she passed la mole trembled all over and feeling that he was in danger of falling he tried to find a support against the wall marguerite disappeared like a vision are you coming sir asked the page who was to conduct la mole to the lower gallery oh yes yes cried la mole joyfully for as the page led him the same way by which marguerite had gone he hoped that by making haste he might see her again and in truth as he reached the top of the staircase he perceived her below and whether she heard his step or looked round by chance marguerite raised her head and la mole saw her a second time oh said he as he followed the page she is not a mortal she is a goddess and as virgilius moreau says et vera incessu patui dea well asked the page here i am replied la mole excuse me here i am the page preceding la mole descended a story lower opened one door then another and stopping you are to wait here said he la mole entered the gallery the door of which closed after him the gallery was vacant except for one gentleman who was sauntering up and down and seemed also waiting for someone the evening was by this time beginning to scatter monstrous shadows from the depths of the vaulted ceiling, and though the two gentlemen were not twenty paces apart, it was impossible for either to recognize the other's face. La Mole drew nearer. "'By heaven!' muttered he as soon as he was within a few feet of the other. "'Here is Monsieur le Comte de Coquenard again!' 
At the sound of footsteps, Coconnas had already turned and was staring at La Mole with no less astonishment than the other showed. "'By heaven!' cried he. "'The devil take me, but here is Monsieur de La Mole. "'What am I doing, swearing in the king's palace? "'Well, never mind. "'It seems the king swears in a different way from mine, and even in churches. "'Here we are at last, then, in the Louvre.' "'Yes, I suppose Monsieur de Besme introduced you?' "'Oh, he is a charming German. "'Who brought you in?' Monsieur de Moy, I told you the Huguenots had some interest at court. Have you seen Monsieur de Guise? No, not yet. Have you obtained your audience with the King of Nevada? No, but I soon shall. I was brought here and told to wait. Ah, you will see there is some great supper under way, and we shall be placed side by side. What a strange chance, for two hours fortune has joined us. But what is the matter? You seem ill at ease. I exclaimed La Mole, shivering, for in truth he was still dazzled by the vision which had been vouchsafed him. Oh, no, but the place in which we are brings into my mind a throng of reflections. Philosophical ones, I suppose, just the same as it is with me. When you came in, I was just going over in my mind all my tutor's recommendations. Monsieur le Comte, are you acquainted with Plutarch? Certainly I am, exclaimed La Mole, smiling. He is one of my favorite authors. Very well, Coquenard went on gravely. This great man does not seem to me so far wrong when he compares the gifts of nature to brilliant but ephemeral flowers, while he regards virtue as a balsamic plant of imperishable perfume and sovereign efficacy for the healing of wounds. Do you know Greek, Monsieur de Coquenard? said La Mole, gazing keenly at his companion. No, I do not, but my tutor did, and he strongly advised me when I should be at court to talk about virtue. That looks well, he said, so I assure you I am well fortified with it. By the way, are you hungry? No. And yet you seemed anxious to taste the broiled fowl of La Belle Etoile. As for me, I am dying of starvation. Well, Monsieur de Coquenard, here is a fine chance for you to make use of your arguments on virtue, and to put your admiration for Plutarch to the proof. For that great writer says somewhere, it is good to accustom the soul to pain and the stomach to hunger. Prepon esti ten men saikin, o dune ton de gastera semo askien. Ah, indeed! So you know Greek? exclaimed Coconnat in surprise. Faith, yes, replied La Mole. My tutor taught me. By heaven, Count, your fortune is made, if that is so. You will compose poetry with Charles IX. You will talk Greek with Queen Marguerite. Not to reckon that I can still talk Gascon with the King of Nevada, <laughs> added La Mole, laughing. At this moment the door communicating with the king's apartment opened. A step was heard, and a shade was seen approaching in the darkness. This shade materialized into a body. This body belonged to Monsieur de Besme. He scrutinized both gentlemen so as to pick out the one he wanted, and then motioned Coquenard to follow him. Coquenard waved his hand to La Mole. De Besme conducted Coquenard to the end of the gallery, opened a door, and stood at the head of a staircase. He looked cautiously round, then up and down. Monsieur de Goguenard, said he, where are you staying? At La Belle Etoile, Rue de l'Arbre Sec. Goot, goot, that is close by. Go back to your hotel, quick, and tonight. He looked round him again. Well, tonight? Well, come here with a vite gross in your hat. The password is goise, hush, not avert. What time am I to come? When you hear the dogs in. "'What's the dog-sin?' asked Coquenard. 
Ja, die Toxin. Pum, pum. Oh, the Toxin. Ja, what lust did I say? Good, I shall be here, said Coquenard, and saluting de Besma, he took his departure, asking himself, What the devil does he mean, and why should the Toxin be rung? No matter. I persist in my opinion, Monsieur de Besma is a charming Tedesco. Why not wait for the Comte de la Mole? Ah, faith, no. He will probably be invited to supper with the King of Navarre. And Coquenard set forth for the Rue de l'Arbre Sec, where the sign of La Belle Etoile, like a lodestone, attracted him. Meantime, a gallery door which led to the King of Navarre's apartment opened, and a page approached Monsieur de la Mole. You are the Comte de la Mole, said he. That is my name. Where do you lodge? At La Belle Etoile, Rue de l'Arbre Sec. Good, that is close to the Louvre. Listen, His Majesty the King of Nevada had desired me to inform you that he cannot at present receive you. Perhaps he may send for you tonight, but if tomorrow morning you have received no word, come to the Louvre. But supposing the sentinel refuse me admission? True, the countersign is Nevada. That word will open all doors to you. Thanks. Wait, my dear sir, I am ordered to escort you to the wicket gate for fear you should get lost in the Louvre. "'By the way, how about Coquenard?' said La Mole to himself as soon as he was fairly in the street. "'Oh, he will remain to supper with the Duc de Guise.' But as soon as he entered Maitre La Hurrière's, the first thing La Mole saw was Coquenard seated before a gigantic omelette. Oh! cried Coquenard, laughing heartily. "'I see you have no more dined with the King of Nevada than I have supped with the Duc de Guise.' "'Faith, no.' "'Are you hungry now?' "'I believe I am.' in spite of plutarch count said la mole laughing plutarch says in another place let him that hath share with him that hath not are you willing for the love of plutarch to share your omelet with me then while we eat we will converse on virtue oh faith not on that subject cried coquenard it is all right when one is at the louvre and there is danger of eavesdroppers and one's stomach is empty sit down and have something to eat with me there now i see that fate has decidedly made us inseparable are you going to sleep here i have not the least idea nor i either at any rate i know where i shall spend the night where wherever you do that is settled and both burst out laughing and then set to work to do honor to maitre la hurrière's omelette end of chapter five recording by john van stan savannah georgia